1: God had warned them even during the time of the wilderness exodus before they came into the promised land, hey, you're going to go into that promised land, you're going to get all comfortable, you're going to be blessed, and you're going to forget about me, and you're going to start chasing after these pagan gods. God had forewarned them. God had also warned them that if you do that, I will bring judgment upon you. And now here is a part where, again, God, one last time, in essence, here with Hosea, he is giving them again this warning.
0: Each and every one of us would probably find it rather difficult to believe if a brother in Christ claimed that God told them to marry a prostitute. However, travel back in time, almost 3,000 years, and we come to the account of Hosea, who God used as a final warning against Israel's idolatry. In today's message, Pastor David reflects on the heart of the Father and how he sees the worship of false gods. In his study, you'll learn about the life of Hosea and the role his life played in depicting how God feels when we give ourselves over to idols. And here's Pastor David in the book of Hosea, chapter 4, as he begins his message, The Adulterous Bride.
1: need to have you imagine with me if you could and uh, both for the guys and for the gals it'll be a little bit different for the gals but just imagine for me if you would that number one you're you're living your life in every way that you can purposefully to give glory and honor to the lord in in every way that you possibly can you're keeping your list of unconfessed sins very short in other words you're on a, on a regular basis going to the lord and confessing your sin there's there's not a long list that you're building there you're desiring to hear from the lord uh in 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 a particular and in a practical way in a clear fashion you want to be able to hear from the lord not just uh you know vaguely. You want to know that he's speaking to you. You want God's word to come alive within your heart in such a way that it is absolutely undeniably him that's speaking and calling you and directing you to a particular area or ministry in your life. Be there with me tonight with that thought. And then imagine if you would then, you hear very clearly the words of the Lord coming to you saying, Go, take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Lord, that's not what I signed up for. But that is the message that God gave to Hosea. That's where we're at tonight. In the Old Testament book, the prophet Hosea, the minor prophets near the uh, kind of the... In the last uh, quarter or so of the Old Testament portion, there, the book of Hosea. Well, once again, uh, we're, we're, when we started this study, I, I shared with you that the the books of the Old Testament, particularly the uh, the prophets. We're not written in a chronological way, or we're not listed in our books in, in the Bibles in a chronological way. They put all the major prophets, then they put the minor prophets. So again, chronologically, we're actually taking a step backwards tonight. We're going backwards in time because where we have been actually in this study uh, at this point in time, Israel was uh, already in capt, or Judah was already in captivity up in Babylon. Well, we're going to. Back- back up a ways before that, we're actually going to back up to a time frame of in the early 700s BC, so quite a ways, even before the northern kingdom fell, Israel fell to the Assyrians is the time of the writing of Hosea. His ministry began before the fall of the northern kingdom and continued on, they they believe, at least seven to ten years after after the fall of the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom, Israel, fell to the Assyrians in 722 BC. So that gives you a time frame of about when Hosea is written. And if you've been with us on our study on Wednesday night, you know a little bit of the the, the situation, socially, politically, morally, in every aspect. Israel had, the northern kingdom, Israel, had gone away from the Lord almost from day one as they split from the southern kingdom. And uh, so, again, they had gotten into all kinds of idolatry, all kinds of pagan worship, and God brought judgment against them. But before he brought judgment against them, he continually pled with them to come back to him to hear the word of the Lord, to, to look and to see, again, the, the wickedness that they were doing in their lives and in following after these pagan gods. And yet they continued to deny God, continued chasing after uh, the, these, these foreign gods. God wanted Hosea to take a wife that was given to prostitution, given to harlotry, because he wanted it to be a clear picture to Israel and also to Judah of what they had done in reference to their relationship with God himself, that they, again, they were espoused to one, to the almighty God, the God of Israel, and yet they had given themselves to these pagan gods over and over and over. They had left their first love. They ran after these pagan gods of these foreign nations that were surrounding them. God had warned them even during the time of the wilderness exodus before they came into the promised land, hey, you're going to go into that promised land, you're going to get all comfortable, you're going to be blessed, and you're going to forget about me, and you're going to start chasing after these pagan gods. God had forewarned them. God had also warned them that if you do that, I will bring judgment upon you. And now here is a part where, again, God, one last time, in essence, here with Hosea, he is giving him again this warning. Look with me, if you would, uh, again, about this whole relationship. Skip over to chapter four of Hosea. I know that's a, we're skipping way into it, but let's, let's just, again, to give you the idea. Hosea chapter four, verse one the Lord speaking to them saying, there is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Wow, that, that's a powerful statement. And I'm afraid that we're getting closer and closer to that statement in our country. I believe that there, are, uh, there, there is a, a, a generation that is already just about there. But he goes on. He says, verse 2, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Wow, that's not today's paper, is it? Nah, we see these very things. Verse, jump down to verse 6. My people, my people, God says, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, you think, man, knowledge, I've been watching this whole deal with Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, and man, all the information and all the knowledge that is available out in the world right now, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. We are ever learning, and yet not really coming to the knowledge of the truth. We have a lot of knowledge out there, but we're not really connecting it in the way that it should be. Listen to what he says here. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. The more they increased, the more they sinned against me, and I will change their glory into shame. Because one generation leading to the next generation leading to the next generation, we're getting further and further and further away from the knowledge of God an experiential relationship with God. And it impacted not only the nation, but it's impacting the children too. And beloved, we see that. I don't know how we could even begin to deny that the very same thing is happening in our own country. Skip down to verse 12. My people ask counsel, from Wikipedia, I'm sorry, from their wooden idols and their staff informs them for the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray and they've played the harlot against their God. They offer sacrifices on the mountaintops and burn incense on the hills under oaks, poplars, and terebinths because their shade is good. God is saying, you've left me totally. You're going after all these pagan practices for your own pleasure. Not understanding that, again, a commitment to God many times costs us our comfort. Our commitment to God many times costs us our ease. Because, beloved, if you haven't figured it out yet, God is much more concerned about your spiritual nourishment than your physical ease. Can I get an amen at all? Okay. That that is is the absolute truth. And if we seek after physical pleasure over obedience to God, we find ourselves, bam, right in the middle of the book of Hosea. Even the children of God uh, that that God gave to Hosea and his wife, Gomer, uh, they were... God had them named purposefully, again, in in order to bring attention to the sinfulness of the people. God was going to bring destruction, and he wanted the people to know without a doubt that they had crossed over that threshold, that they had come to that point that now destruction is coming. The message, though, that Hosea brings is much more than just destruction. It's a message of this continual struggle, I believe, for all of mankind in their relationship with Almighty God, not only in 700 BC, but also in 2018 AD, today, because man reaches out for a multitude of things without, again staying within that relationship with Almighty God. The book of Hosea clearly speaks about this cycle that we see all through human history. We see man raising up in rebellion, Rebellion against the things of God and the direction of God and the leading of God. That's before the law was even given. We we saw that, man, we, from the garden on, we have seen that. Rebellion being the first thing. And then from there comes the result of that rebellion. And that result is, again, God's judgment coming upon them and God's discipline upon man. From the result of our rebellion... Many times, well, I won't even say many times, in in the course of God's people, many times we will see from the results, from the consequences of the disciplining and the correction of God, then they will move into repentance. We see that in the people of Israel. From repentance, then God brings redemption and then restoration. So that whole cycle. And then after that restoration, it doesn't take too long until guess what happens again? Rebellion. Rebellion again. And then it starts that cycle all over again. Throughout the message of this book, Hosea has to go, literally, go after his bride. Three different occasions, going to go and get her and bring her in going to get her, buyer literally off the auction block because she has sold herself into slavery. Even after she runs away to chase her lovers, God says that what I want to do is hedge her about to keep her from getting pleasure and sustenance from the things of this world. Back up to chapter two. In chapter two, God says that he'll hedge up her way with thorns, and in verse 6 of chapter 2, he'll wall her in so that she cannot find her paths. She'll chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better for me than now. That perhaps if he keeps her from getting the pleasure and the sustenance from these outside lovers, from these uh, from from the the the, the pagan uh, practices and the worship of the nations around, that maybe then Israel would realize, man, I need to go back to the one true God, because He is the one. He is the fullness of the answer that I need in my life. As a matter of fact, God declares that He will literally woo her to himself once again. Look down in verse 14. He says, therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and I'll speak comfort to her. She doesn't deserve all that. What she deserves is punishment and chastisement. I love the grace and the mercy of God. I love the abundance of the grace and the mercy of God that long before he brings chastisement and punishment and that kind of a discipline, he declares his mercy and his grace and he woos us back to us. The word tells us that, Lord, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. He says, I'm gonna bring her into the wilderness, speak comfort to her. Verse 15, I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor as a door of hope She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, down in verse 16. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. Think about that for a moment. Do you realize the difference of a relationship there that suddenly comes about? It's not my master. It's my husband. He's not just the God of discipline and structure and striving. He's my father. He's got that kind of a relationship. That's what he's seeking for his children. And that's what he's showing us here in his relationship as he's giving this story of of, of Hosea and Gomer. Look down in verse 19. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Down in verse 23. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, "You are my God. Beloved, God is looking, God is desiring, and God is doing everything that He can to work in you and I." Relationship. Relationship as, as a bride to her husband, as a child to their father, that kind of a relationship where we don't serve God out of fear, but we serve God out of love just simply out of obedience to the love that we have for the greatness of all the things that he's done within our lives, for the greatness of who he is. And so throughout this message of judgment and destruction and doom that we see here in Hosea, we find this continual message of redemption, this continual message of reconciliation. Jump over to the last chapter, chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 1. O Israel, return to the Lord your God. For you stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously. For we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We'll not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, you are our gods. For in you the fatherless finds mercy. And once again, God's work of mercy is, is, is grace, is declaring He's going to declare it to them. Look what he says in verse four. God speaking to them. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. Down in verse 8, Ephraim shall say, What have I to do anymore with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like the green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Beloved, that everyone who comes to the Lord, everyone who today knows the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior, would finally come to that point in their life where they can literally draw that line, say, why in the world would I go back into the world? Mm-hmm. I know that there is nothing in the ways of the world or the ways of the flesh that are going to give me any kind of consistency of pleasure, any kind of depth of fulfillment but that all of those things bring destruction. And I know that when I come to God and when I lay myself before him, fruit of his is going to be shown and and, and and growing in my life. That we would, each believer, come to that point of drawing that line and say, man, thus far, no more. I don't want to go back there anymore. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to taste the, the, the fruit of the world. I don't want to taste the, the sweet nectar of the, of, of, of the things of the flesh. I want to taste the sweetness of God in my life daily and moment by moment in my life. This message. Oh, let me finish verse 9. I like uh, going back to the Lord speaking. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them, for the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. Message of Hosea. Again, it's once again kind of solidifies the truth that we found in Ezekiel. You don't need to turn there, but Ezekiel 33, verse 11, writes, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? That's the very thing that we see here in the book of Hosea. God pleading with them to come back, come back, come back. Just as he pleads today with every erring child. Everyone who has ever made a a commitment to Christ and has allowed the world to stumble them up and to distract them and pull them off course and to bring a detour in their life, he's saying, come back to me. Why should you continue in that way? Come back and live. Around the same time that Hosea was writing, about the same time as the fall of the, the northern kingdom, God was speaking in a very, very similar message through another prophet, the prophet Micah, okay? So if you're in Hosea, go to the right, go past Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and Jonah, and you will get to Micah. Or just turn to page 737. That's what I've got here, so right past Jonah, and Jonah's a pretty short book. The book of Micah. About the only thing that we know about Micah is that he came from the town of Morasheth, uh, or actually m- more properly, is Morasheth Gath. It was a town located about 25 miles to the southwest of Jerusalem, primarily an agricultural area. It was right there on the borderline of uh, Philistia, Uh, The Philistines from Gath, does anybody remember anybody in any of the Old Testament that we spoke about of somebody, a Philistine person from Gath, guy that was like really, really tall? They got a really bad headache one time. In fact, that was the last headache he ever got, yeah. Goliath knows from that area. So here we find Micah's from that area.
0: Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series. And we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for It. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you.
1: Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page, See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to
0: continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.